Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast of In Depth with Seth and Beth, the tongue twister title that we bring to you every week as a reflection upon the sermon from the previous Sunday. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. And it is, as always, my distinct pleasure to be chatting with Beth Hoffman Faith. Uh, She preached yesterday, Sunday, November 1st, which was All Saints Day. The scripture reading for Sunday was from Matthew, and it was the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, for those of you who might not remember, are the parts in which Jesus talked to the crowd and said, Blessed are, blessed are the meek, those who mourn, the peacemakers, and so forth. So those are the Beatitudes to set the stage for what we are talking about a bit. So Beth, hi. Hello, Seth. We have new microphones. (laughs) Yes, we're feeling quite official now. Yes, thank you, Cody, for helping us sound less tinny. Well, my name is Beth Hoffman-Faith, and I'm the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. And it's always a joy to be with my friend and colleague, Seth, and to talk about uh, what we have heard, or in my case, preached day or so before. I'm glad to be with you. Me too, especially because tomorrow there's an election. Oh, yeah. Yeah, did you forget? No, because I'm one of those, it seems, rare voters this year that is actually going to go to the poll tomorrow in person on Election Day with my daughter who's voting in her very first presidential election. So it feels like a milestone moment in my family, and I am proud that uh, we get to do this together. I look forward to hearing how it went for you. It seems as if it will be unremarkable most places, except for where it's remarkable. We just don't know where that will be until it is. But to the the topic at hand, to the conversation that we show up with, you, Beth, every year that I have worked with you, you have volunteered to preach on All Saints Day. So this seems to me, in, in watching you, to be a very important day for you. Why? It is, as I said, and you said yesterday, it is a tender day. All Saints. It's rare when All Saints Sunday actually falls on All Saints Day, which made this year an exception and a particularly significant, perhaps. Because All Saints Day is November 1st, no matter what day of the week, correct? Correct. And at Plymouth and at many churches, it is acknowledged, commemorated on the first Sunday of November, regardless of the date. I approach All Saints Sunday as someone who has walked a wide and long road with grief and also accompanied many others on their journey. And I know that this day kind of breaks open our hearts, reminding us of those we've loved and lost, whether that was a recent death or one from years and years earlier. And so I always want to offer a word of comfort. I want to acknowledge people's grief, whatever it might look like. I want to remind people that grief will find its way out of us, whether we like it or not, whether we, however we might try to suppress it. And the church has given us a gift of a day on All Saints Day to really acknowledge and confront 
our grief. And I think it's important. And so, yes, I enthusiastically <laughs> volunteer to preach this day, although I didn't preach last All Saints Sunday because we had the three amigos with us. All the interfaith time. amigos, that's yes. right. And, and so it has been two years since I've preached. As the minister for congregational care, as the one who does a lot of pastoral care, administrates a lot of the pastoral care, even though I have you and Paula, obviously you do a lot of pastoral care too. It just has always seemed like it would be appropriate for me to offer some kind of pastoral message on All Saints Day. Well, and I'm happy that you do. <laughs> so are you suggesting, I want to make sure I understand this right, are you suggesting that putting our grief and mourning into a closet is not a good thing? And somehow sweeping it under a rug and pretending we're not feeling it, that that's not what we should do? I think there is a tendency to do that because grief can be unbearable. And just like other emotions like anger, bitterness, fear, I think it is a human tendency to, to squash those things, to, to learn quickly how to live around them so as to not have to move through those intense feelings. And grief shows up in so many varied ways. Some people get incredibly sad. Other people get very angry. There's all the stages and sometimes they come crashing at us all at once. And sometimes we don't even understand our reaction or our actions until we can really name that it is, it is our grief that is talking and walking and living out in us in these profound, unknown, complicated ways. And to further add to that complication is that we grieve for things more than just the deaths of people we love. Like we are collectively mourning and grieving the change that COVID-19 has brought upon our lives. We are grieving the losses that we have had to shoulder. And, and each person is grieving a different version of that. We grieve the loss of things, ideas, time, as much as we do those that we love who have, who have gone. Absolutely. And that is something that takes a while to recognize and define for many, I think, that the feelings we have over loss in our life is truly grief. I think sometimes we want to explain it away as something else. But my practice and what I have found with others is that when we really claim grief in our life, it can't help but change us. It's a lot easier to deal with something when you recognize it. When you name it. And when yeah. you name it. Yeah. yeah. So with that, you, you begin your sermon talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And you, you talk about, um, and you put in quotes, may her memory be for a blessing. Say something about that. Well, I know that many are grieving RBG. Many of us really hoping that she could have lived into this post-election time. And also so many of us acknowledging that, my goodness, this woman worked every day of her life, even with terminal cancer. And I can't imagine her pain and discomfort. And if anyone deserved it, she certainly deserved a peaceful rest. I was intrigued immediately following her death, how often that phrase, may her memory be for a blessing, or may her memory be a blessing, was used. And then it became something teachable because lots of things got written about why those who are Jewish offer that as a tribute. It has to do with uh, the understanding of the afterlife and 
the Jewish faith doesn't give much acknowledgement to an afterlife. It's about here and now and our life with God in these moments. And when one dies, the best thing that we can do is continue to remember them and to lift forth their God-given gifts and talents for others to remember too. As I was thinking about this sermon, I kept thinking about RBG. I kept thinking about that phrase, may her memory be for a blessing, and then wondering how that lives out in our lives, not only with Ruth, but also with so many others who we have loved and lost. It relates to a concept of legacy. And Mm. I often talk about legacy during a memorial service because the gifts that someone has given us in this life do not end when they die. We are able to, when we embody them, practice them, remember them, that's all part of legacy. And so at the same time, we are the ones who are charged to live out the legacy, to be that keeper of memory, to put forth the blessing of the memory into the world. While we are still here, we get to keep that person alive through what they taught us and their legacy. Right. Yeah. There's a certain, not quite immortality, but there's a certain afterlife to that, right? It's not a mystical afterlife, but it is one in which you exist on because of what you left left to the people who who love you and who paid attention and and witnessed your works and your life. Absolutely. And all the feelings we have for someone, whether it is an intimate relationship or someone like RBG, who most of us didn't know but admired from a distance, those feelings don't die with a death. They don't end. When we lose someone in our family to death, a spouse, a child, a parent, all those feelings, many of which are beautiful, but some of which are really complicated, they don't end with a death. We keep feeling those things. And to acknowledge them is to give them life and to reconcile Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge the way that person transformed us. Yeah, we could keep talking about this. And this is, I almost hesitate to move on, but I would like to, I want to know more about how you connected this to the idea of, to, to the scripture of the Beatitudes. And, and you said in your sermon that the Beatitudes offer a central hub for those who walk the Christian path of action and contemplation. When we mourn, perhaps we are more merciful. That line, when I heard it yesterday, I wrote it down. When we mourn, perhaps we are more merciful. And that that speaks to what, in some ways, to what we started off with, that acknowledging and naming our mourning and our grieving is good for us and all those around us. It is less imprisoning. But connect the dots with the Beatitudes. Well, the Beatitudes, or those first 12 verses in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, is one of the lectionary texts for All Saints Day. So actually, every year, the lectionary is a three-year cycle, but every year on All Saints Day, November 1st, this is one of the passages. And I'm guessing it is because it says explicitly, blessed are those who mourn. And so choosing this scripture or having this scripture choose me to preach on, I, I was thinking about how these declarations, these blessings speak to us 
right now and this time, not just ancient words from the past, but right now, and what they mean for us, not only on All Saints Day, but every day. I do think that it's easy to look at the Beatitudes and think that there's something maybe that we're supposed to strive for, that Jesus is talking about other people, number one, not us. Never us. (laughs) (laughs) And that in order to get into heaven, we have to be one of these things. That's a very watered down kind of trivialized version of the Beatitudes. But it is what some people hang on to, that those who are the weakest will eventually get their due reward. But as I read these throughout the week and preparing for my sermon, all I could do was think about people and myself included to whom these blessings speak right now in this time of COVID-19, in this volatile election season, in this time of racial reckoning and social justice, that we are the ones who are mourning and we are the ones who are uh, peacemakers and we are the ones who are poor in spirit because this has been such a depleting time and we are the ones who are pursuing righteousness. And then I thought to myself, how are they connected? How do these blessings, how are these blessings in relationship? Hmm. Which is how I got to that line. I do think that when one of these blessings speaks right to us, it's not the only one. That yes, when we mourn, perhaps we are more merciful. And when we feel the purest in heart, when we can embody that God is really calling to us, maybe that's exactly when we are also striving to be peacemakers or when we're thirsting for righteousness and justice. I do think there's just this collective weaving through these blessings. They are not standalone. They speak to all of us. And the piece about All Saints Day that I began to think about is it's not then just about us, but our great cloud of witnesses. They lived in these blessings too. Mm-hmm. The lives that they walked, you know, they experienced all the things that the Beatitudes suggest. Yeah, the Beatitudes are not just tweets. Mm-hmm sort of disconnected that got laid out, but rather it is a it is a holistic view naming different things, getting to the universal through the different particulars. And then you you conclude your sermon with this quote by Nicholas Walterstorff, uh, every lament is a love song, which I have read before and has I don't think I would have been able to quote it, but it's it's stuck with me. It helps with this lovely movement that you start with of may her memory be for a blessing. And then you move through the blessings and then you come out the other side with that the lament is a love song. There's an action to it. There is something to be done. That grieving and mourning and lamenting is itself not only a movement to something else, but is itself important and speaks to the world. Yes, that quote really spoke to me. And I was thinking about it certainly in terms of personal grief and we grieve because we love. There's lots of little quotes and snippets that we could uh, put out there, but you know, the greater the love, the greater the grief that's often been said. And so when we do grieve, when we are able to name it, claim it and put it out there, that is our lament. That is our love song in a more broader view. As I was thinking particularly about honoring and commemorating the hundreds of thousands of people who have died from COVID and the necessity that we do that 
in the framework of worship and really lift up that cloud of witnesses too. I was thinking about how much we are lamenting in this time, but we are lamenting things we feel strongly about and the things that we are missing. And to me, love underlays all of that. Absolutely. And this is this is a really necessary conversation. At least I'm feeling it is. But we did promise these nice listeners that we would try to keep this under 20 minutes. And so is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion? I would like to invite people who maybe are struggling with their grief or not to know that your clergy are a resource for you, that Beth, Paula, Seth, that we are here to listen and to walk with you, that grief is a very lonely experience. At least it has been in my life. And just knowing there's someone who can be even a silent companion on your journey does seem to make a difference. So I I just, I want people to know that I understand the tenderness of grief. I know how complicated it is. I know that it looks different with every passing day, that there are days like All Saints Day that can reopen the doors in ways that are not welcome. And still, it happens. I am with you, and I am thinking of you, and I hold you in prayer and would welcome more conversation. Thank you for that reminder. Mm. Yes, we are not here to tell you what you should be feeling. We are here to listen and stand with you in it. Well, that is this week's In Depth with Beth and Seth. Our theme music was composed and performed by the amazing Laura Caviani. Have a wonderful week. Be safe, be healthy, and breathe. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>